0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our second episode in our Spiritual Perspectives on Hot Topics series. This is part two, digging deeper into our spiritual cosmology and evil in the world today. I'm welcoming back Mark Myers, who was with us last week as we discussed how we got where we are today from our pure divine estate in the beginning. If you haven't heard that episode, you may want to go back and listen, as it has a lot of information in it, and we're going to pick up from where we left off. Mark, welcome back.
1: Yes, hi Nancy, glad to be here, and I'm grateful to be able to uh, share this information today. It's exciting.
0: It it sure is. You know, last week we talked about uh, ancient history, including previous Golden Ages, Lemuria and Atlantis, the fall of Lucifer, the angels that fell to earth. A good resource for learning, actually, about the fall is the book of Enoch, a book that did not make it into the final approved Bible that we have today. But the first part of the book of Enoch describes the fall of the watchers, the angels who fathered the Nephilim. All of these characters are mentioned in the Bible. We also talked about the fall of man and how the caveman was the lowest point to which we fell, and that creation and evolution are both true.
1: Well, you know, with the Book of Enoch, Nancy, not only was it not included, it was actually, I believe, purposely hidden until um, a famous historian found a copy in Ethiopia a few centuries ago. And the Book of Enoch really is the Western's version of evil and how it came about to be and how the the angels fell from heaven and all these different um, concepts of evil that came about. Our father Enoch wanted us to have a record of all this, and I would encourage anyone who hasn't um, you know looked at this to either look at it or look at a synopsis of it. There are plenty of you know synopsis on the um, on the internet that you can get an idea of what the Book of Enoch is about.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, a synopsis and i'm gonna check that out myself yeah i'd like to
1: i mean basically basically enoch states you know how we had evil why the flood came about because god wanted to destroy this evil but the evil survived the flood and is continuing to work amongst us today in a more secretive manner so this is the the secret of enoch it's a it's an astounding story
0: Yeah, it is, and highly recommended. People uh, look it up, read the book or the synopsis. Now, you also talked about how the planet Maldek that used to be in our solar system destroyed itself and how a portion of those evolutions came to Earth. Then also, how our Earth reached a very dark place to where we could have ended up in the same situation. And that's where I'd like to continue today. What happened when the earth got to a point where there was just simply no one with enough light to sustain the planet
1: well I'll go back to Maldek for a second this is another interesting piece of our story Maldek was destroyed by its own evolutions some of them were deemed worthy to come to earth their souls that is and the uh the cosmic councils brought them here The Maldekians were really what I would call the second wave of evil on the planet. The first wave was what we just talked about from the Book of Enoch. This is where the angels fell, and they didn't just fall on Earth. They fell in our galaxy, maybe even surrounding galaxies, and started to... uh, corrupt and destroy planet after planet in our solar system. They destroyed several planets in this solar system, including Maldek. So then the Maldekians came to Earth and they formed kind of an alliance, you know, a cooperative effort with the fallen angels and the Maldekians. And between the two of them, they are the ones that have really perpetuated evil on this planet to this day.
0: So when the Earth got to this point, what What actually took place then with the Cosmic Councils and the Ascended Masters and such?
1: Well, after the second, what I'm calling the second wave of evil, when the Maldekians came and joined forces, the fallen angels, they pretty much took the entire planet down. There wasn't even one life stream on the planet that still had a spark of divinity, in them. we had gone, like we talked about last time, to the lowest level, to cavemen, and that's where historians would like us to think we started, but this was just the lowest point. So, Uh, To restate what cosmic law is, cosmic law tells us that we need to have at least one life stream on the planet that has a spark of divinity. We can call that the threefold flame. I'm sure you've probably covered that in some of your past Mm -hmm. past, um, podcasts. The threefold flame is a spark of life. And as long as that threefold flame burns within us then we have that divinity and we need at least one life stream on a planet otherwise what is the purpose the cosmic councils look at our planet and they say well what's the what's the what's the purpose there's no life streams here uh, evoking divinity so earth got to that point after the second wave and the cosmic Councils said there's no choice. We need to dissolve the earth. There's not one life stream there. Now remember, this was many eons ago. We don't know how long ago, maybe 10,000, 100,000, maybe half a million years, however long ago it was. We reached this very, very low point. Now, The true hero of our story comes forth at this moment. On our sister star, Venus, there are evolutions that are evolving. Now, we all know Venus is a very hot, molten planet, but these evolutions are evolving at a much higher vibrational rate in their finer bodies, and they live there, and it's a very high and loving culture. Well, right before the Cosmic Council said we're going to dissolve the Earth, the Lord Sanakumara, who's the hierarch of Venus, stepped forth and he said, I will come to earth. I will hold the balance. I will be the threefold flame for the earth until there is a time when the evolutions of earth will respond and there will be more people with threefold flames here and then the earth can move on to her evolution. So Sanakumara came. He came and a lot of his... um, what do you want to call them, his uh, disciples? You know, 144,000 of them, we believe, came with him. They came to earth, they established Shambhala, which at the time was on the other side of the uh, Himalayan mountains, which was the Gobi Sea at the time, which is now the Gobi Desert. And they established this beautiful physical retreat called Shambhala which we've all heard of, everybody's heard of Shambhala, right? The city of light. This is the original city that they came and they established. Now, sana Kamara was tied to the earth because the Cosmic Councils told him that if you're going to do this mission, you are basically the Lord. You're basically the God of earth because you are holding the balance for the earth. So you are the Lord of the earth, and you are tied to the earth until such time when you can be released, when there are enough life streams, enough light on this planet to be able for you to be able to be released. Sanakamara committed to this mission, which he knew not how long it was going to be, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, but he is the true hero of our story.
0: And we know the Sonic Kumara in the Bible as the Ancient of Days. You know, there's many different names that um, come forth in the, in the scriptures for God. And the Ancient of Days does refer to Sonic Kumara, who came uh, to our planet to hold that balance. And uh, as you say, he was here quite a long, long time until the very first soul started to awaken and that soul we know was Gautama Buddha, who started to become, you know, he, he described himself as, I am awake. When people asked, who are you? He said, I am awake. He saw things as they really are. So that was the first soul evolving, which was, of course, in several thousand years before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know in the ultimate sense that there's, there's no evil in the ultimate sense because we all came from one source, God. But we also know because of the fall and things we've described in this matter world where we are creators and we have dominion and we have free will, that evil persists because we can think of evil as the energy veil. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Sure. Evil has no permanent um, reality, but it does exist in a temporary sense. I mean, we can use mantras to affirm this evil is not real and its appearance has no power. What evil really is, is what you said, the energy veil. It's a kind of, it's like, say... Say, you, your soul, you as a person are under your own light, your own mighty I am presence, and you're standing there basking in that light. There is no shadow, there is no energy veil. But say for a moment you decide to step outside of that light. All of a sudden, you're in the shadows. Well, you've now created a darkness, an energy veil, a blackened shroud almost around yourself and around your soul. This is the energy veil, and this is what evil is. And what we need to do for us to survive as a reality in God for a permanent, integral, reality and god is to uh, dissolve this energy veil to dissolve this blackened shroud of mortality we've created around ourselves and then we return to that great light from whence we came
0: right and and the denser this energy veil is the more quote-unquote evil you might see because it's like a cutting off totally from your divine source your your own reality and 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 then at that point, we do know if you cut off your own God source of energy, these fallen ones that we refer to, they have to reach out and take light from wherever they can find it. So they are stealing the light of the people. And we see that manifesting in many ways in our society today. And, and just to go back to the Maldekians, destroyed planet, We know that we've been told by the masters that they incarnated in the Middle East, bringing with them their ancient rivalries because they were fighting, and that's how they they destroyed their planet, we believe, with uh, atomic energy. And those rivalries persist until today. I had the opportunity to go to the Middle East in the fall of 1998 when I was an adult student in the Washington Semester Program at American University. And that semester was focused on peace and conflict resolution. And it was specifically focused on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And the study in that semester included a a three-week trip to both areas. We stayed in both Israel and Gaza and interviewed leaders on both sides of the issue, reporters, students, and just general citizens and people in the Knesset, the Israeli Knesset, people, leaders of Islamic Jihad and, and different organizations. And while you can understand the perspectives of both sides and how most of the people, general people, just want peaceful lives. I actually came away, though, with the conclusion that there won't be peace in the Middle East until the people truly want peace. Both sides have to give up their ancient feuds for the sake of future generations. You can't just continue to teach your children uh, they're victims of the Holocaust, or they should rise up and be suicide bombers or killers against the other side. So it's very important that the people they have to want to change this. And we know that this is a very deep, deep feud.
1: Well, we're um not gonna solve the problem of the Middle East today, obviously. It's a <laughs> right. very long and entrenched problem. These souls have incredible um recalcitrance and you know intransience and, and they're they're kind of deep rooted. Uh, really the Middle East was the origins of evil, you know, and this is why Jesus incarnated in the Middle East. I mean, they came to the Middle East more than likely because of the oil and the energy and they, there, and they the knew, resources, right, the resources. Cont- they knew. control the planet. They knew and that. we're
0: not talking now about the average everyday Palestinian or Israeli citizen. We're talking now, once again, about these entrenched dark forces that have come and uh, still manipulate in the Middle East.
1: Yeah, our, our continued thread today is evil. And as you said earlier, evil has no light of its own. In order to survive, it has to perform certain rituals to take the light. In our own bodies, there is a lot of light in our blood. And that's why you see so much spilling of blood on this planet, because this is um, continuing these entrenched forces. We're not going to get into that at this particular moment, but people can start to see why why there 's um, strategic tension all over the world, including the Middle east, why there 's wars, why there 's conflicts, why you know most people want peace, but yet we don 't have peace why don 't we have peace because there's an entrenched force that 's that 's continually manipulating. Our, us and our forces so that they can gain our light. And this this is the bottom line of what they want. They want our light.
0: You know, and going back to the idea of why Jesus did incarnate in the Middle East, he said more than once that he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Think not what I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And you can also hear him say, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. So his mission was to expose these fallen ones and to separate those of the light from those of darkness. Sometimes we miss this entire message of Jesus' life. Yes, he championed forgiveness. He told us to love one another, to love our enemies even, and champion the poor and forgave the sinners. But he also challenged the fallen ones. Can you imagine him saying to the spiritual leaders of the day today, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. I mean, can you imagine someone talking like that today? And he overturned the money changers in the temple. So Jesus had a dual message and he made it very clear.
1: Of course, this wouldn't be politically correct, especially today, but (laughs) um, we have to remember Jesus said a few things. He said, my sheep know my voice. So, you know, he, he knew who they were and they knew who he was and who they weren't. And he also said there's a sin against the Holy Ghost that can't be forgiven. And what was he talking about? Well, maybe it's what we're talking about now, this absolute evil that we're talking about. So, you know these are these are all things these are all things to consider yes he was a master of love and peace but you know we we have to really realize that there's a, a force of evil on our planet that is taking us in the opposite direction and if we don't understand it if we don't overturn it if we as light bearers we can forgive it, but we need to eradicate it from our planet. Otherwise, we are never going to raise up to the golden age, which I think is what you've talked about in the past as well, right? Yes, the coming golden absolutely. age. Absolutely. And this is where this is where we're moving. And many people can feel it. You can feel a, an increase in the light of the planet, a certain spiritual frequency and vibration the brotherhood of light that God himself is raising the vibration of our planet. And in that process, it's flushing out this darkness. It's like when you turn on a light, it overcomes the darkness. It flushes out the darkness. Many people are wondering why there's so much darkness. Well, it's not that it hasn't always been here. It's now coming to the surface. And when something comes to the surface, it's it's an opportunity that we can eradicate it.
0: Yes, and I I just want to be clear, reiterate, for the sake of all of our listeners, that we're not saying that the people of the Middle East are all fallen ones or of the darkness, or even that the leadership is either. But these elements still control a situation and the narrative that keeps the ancient conflicts going. This is a spiritual issue that is manifesting in a very physical way. And when we understand this, we can tackle it from a spiritual perspective as well as trying to resolve it on the ground.
1: I just want to say one thing from a geopolitical perspective is that these fallen forces, the dark forces that are uh, manipulating or controlling or attempting to control our planet, they have certain dark sites in every country almost, and this is where things are manipulated. So, you know, the Jewish people are a beautiful people, the Palestinians are a beautiful people, but there are elements within them that are manipulating peoples and countries and political situations, economies all over the planet. We, as the children of light, need to wake up to this manipulation so that we no longer are affected by it.
0: And yes, there are spiritual ways to engage in spiritual warfare They get to the core of issues. And we know that there are spiritual solutions to all of these situations, any problem we're facing personally, within our countries, within the world. And we definitely want to cover some of those spiritual tools today. But let's first talk about another way that these fallen ones control the planet. We know Again, as we've been talking, energy is the key. But that is changing even today, now that the United States is now energy independent. This is a big step.
1: Yes. When we clear out all these evil forces, we're going to find at the center of this mechanism of control, which they've covered up for so long, is really a central banking system. Uh, One of the um, ancient bankers said at one point, it doesn't matter who makes the laws if I control the money. So think about it, you know, if the money, why, why did we hand over control of the system of money to a group of bankers or whoever they are, you know, maybe they've infiltrated that. They control everything. They print the money. They have the money. They can buy whatever they want to do. They can, they can create booms. They can create, you know, busts. They can do all kinds of things. So ultimately, this is the control mechanism. And I think we've woken up a little bit in the last decade or so to the Federal Reserve. And we need to see that around the core of all this control mechanism, this is the center of it.
0: So let's talk about some of those spiritual tools that we want to share today that are very practical, that we can just make use uh, in our personal life on a, on a daily basis without much effort.
1: Well, there are many spiritual tools, and people use different ones, whether it be meditation, visualization, you know, um, whatever. There, are, There are a lot of them prayer. <laughs> but... Um, the power of the spoken word is something that I believe is very powerful. Remember, in the beginning, God spoke the universe into existence, you know, and He said, Let there be light. So, this gives us a hint. Jesus spoke many things, you know, and used the power of the spoken word. We use our throat chakra, which is a power center of our being, to bring these things into manifestation. So a very there's there's a couple ways to do this. One is very simply to just draw down more light onto the planet. So you can invoke light for the planet, you know, let there be light, let there be light. It's a very simple thing or however your prayer goes to bring a general light onto the planet. Or we can be more specific, and specificity has its advantages. So as I watch the news and current events and do things, as I see things that are heinous or things that aren't going the right way, I just make a very short one sentence, two sentence, what you might call a fiat. So you're watching the news and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, overturn this injustice. Or in the name of Jesus Christ, I challenge this evil. Or in the name of Archangel Michael, encircle now this evil. Whatever, whatever it may be, this is such a simple and easy technique and we can incorporate it within our daily routine without having to sit down and do special prayers. So I would encourage people to use this technique.
0: Yes, it's, it's kind of like accelerating our prayers do our usual prayers meditations whatever our spiritual practices are but again that spoken word is powerful and as you say you look at jesus life many of his miracles were the spoken word lazarus come forth take up your bed and walk go and sin no more Uh, your sins are forgiven Uh, many of his miracles were using the spoken word And we know in the scriptures, in the New Testament, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So sound is a great creator of the physical universe and our physical world, and that's why we have that throat chakra. And we've talked in the past about the spoken word and the power of it in one of the other earlier episodes that you could go ahead and listen to if you've not heard that But there are many ways, and also not just when you're looking at the news, I mean also for your own personal life, for your own personal being. You can call to Archangel Michael to encircle, to go before you each day and to protect yourself, your family, your community. You can invoke the angels, you can invoke beloved Jesus and Mother Mary uh, and the Ascended Masters to protect, to heal, to help in given situations. So there's many, many ways that you can verbalize your prayers verbally and, again, use these fiats to just invoke God's power to change a situation, to let the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ descend, because Jesus said he came to separate the tares from the wheat. He came to uh, challenge darkness, and we can do that in his name.
1: i just want to remind your listeners of an important spiritual law it's the law of octaves we live in a free will zone god gave us dominion so we can't send forth powerful spiritual beings like the archangels or jesus christ unless we invoke them unless we invite them to come into our world so this is a key that we need to remember if we want spiritual forces you know and as the bible said we fight not against flesh and blood but against spiritual wickedness in high places we need to invoke those high spiritual forces the archangels seven mighty archangels the lord jesus christ even lord Kumar in the name i that I am Sanna kamar take command and then you fill in the blank then these spiritual beings these high vibrational forces can come in enter our world and overturn these forces and remember we may not see the effects instantaneously God works according to his own timetable and according to laws that we can't always see you know certain uh, life streams have, Uh, more light than others and some aren't up for a judgment but but we call these forces in and then we turn it over to god and then at the end of your um your basic sentence give a a quick gratitude and let it be according to the will of god you know so you say in gratitude to God, let it be done according to his will, or something like that. And this turns it over to God's will, and then you're done with it, and you just let it, let it go forth and don't really focus on it again.
0: And we need to emphasize, too, that you do not do this with a sense of anger, in the vibration of anger or any kind of energy, less than the pure divine love of Almighty God and the precious heart of Jesus Christ it is done with love and standing in a very high pure vibration that you are sending light into situations and that light will do its work god will do its do his work and we don't always know what that work is but we are never misusing that light by tinging it with anger or resentment or revenge or anything of that nature, because then it turns into witchcraft, black magic, all these kinds of things where you're actually harming life using God's energy. So we always want to stay and understand it's God's holy will, as Mark was just saying, and that we are the instruments of Almighty God, but it is the Father within us that does the work, just as Jesus said. So I want to thank you again, Mark, for participating in this incredibly important topic. And our next episode is going to look at some of even darker aspects of these fallen ones as we consider some of the satanic rituals that are far more prevalent in the United States and around the world than most people cannot even imagine some of the things that are going on. But the understanding of how the spiritual light of the people is being misused to keep these fallen ones in power. It's very critical to understand and how we will finally have our spiritual freedom once again. So join us next week as we continue our series, Spiritual Perspectives on Hot Topics. Until then, keep an open mind, a generous heart, and a powerful spirit. I'm Nancy Showalter, and you've been listening to Spirituality for the Politically Incorrect. Thank you for being with me today. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. And to follow more of my work, visit me at nancyshowalter.com.